Reading from the fourth chapter, chapter four, verse four. Arjuna Vacha Jai. Arjuna ki Jai. Param Bhavato Param Ba. Something missing. Param Bhavato Janma. Param Janma Vivashpato. Param. Param. Janma Vivashpato. Katam etad Bijaniya. Arjun said, he said that your birth took place only recently, whereas the Son of God was born in ancient times. How am I to understand that you spoke this yoga to him in the previous age? So this uh, ends the introduction to the chapter. And um, the uh, segment, introduction of the segment on Avatar Tattva, uh, concludes it with Arjun's question, which um, is uh, is apparent that implied in what Krishna said thus far, Arjun is wise enough to understand. You sound like you're saying that you're omniscient and you're eternal but that um, I I know you as as you've said in the previous verse as a friend and yes I'm a devotee <laughs> but that's a lot to say about yourself <laughs> I think I gave the example the other day that uh, when uh, Prabhupada announced in the beginning of his mission in New York that um, tomorrow there will be initiations, then um, some asked, what does that mean? And then Prabhupada said, it means that you accept the guru as good as God. And as the story goes from the oral tradition, then he got up and walked out. And I guess he just figured, well... See who's um, who can digest that, and um, some did and some didn't. So, given the nature of their uh, relationship, it's a lot for Arjuna to digest in one sense. But in another sense, of course, he has surrendered to him in the second chapter. Shishastaham sadhimam tuam prapanam. Teach me. I surrendered to you. Uh, this uh, what uh, has. Come before me. The dilemma, the, the dilemma, the task, is something I, I can't deal with, and so forth. And so Krishna has, of course, begun to do that, and he's now in the middle of his his teaching about yoga to him, which is the practical means by which to realize that the truth that he told him at the onset that you're different than the body, you're an atma, the atma is sat by nature, and so on and so forth. You may be aware that in the ancient systems of philosophy of India that were current at the time of the Goswamis, the, there were six of them, and they, they kind of paired together. So karma, mimamsa, and vedanta, they, they paired together. Um, because, for example, um, karma, mimamsa, is dealing really with a religious perspective, in religious inquiry, 
precedes Dharma Jignasu inquiry into the nature of religion and how to live a human life colored in consideration of the dive and the train and the goal controlling powers and so forth at B um, precedes inquiry into Brahman, Atato Brahma Jignasu. So they kind of go together. And uh, similarly, Sankhya and Yoga, they're paired together. In, in the Sankhya doctrine of Kapila, this is not the Kapila who is the uh, incarnation of Krishna described in the Bhagavatam, the third canto, who is the son of Devahuti and who speaks very um, beautifully and uh, very profoundly about the nature of bhakti to her. And, and uh, of course, within the Bhagavatam, there is a there is an adaption of the sankhya of Kali, of 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 the Kali, of the what's his name again Kapila of the Kapila, who is the main propounder of the sankhya philosophy. Sankhya philosophy is kind of an enumeration upon the nature of nature, what it's constituted of, and the difference between it and the Purusha, which is in that text a word for the Atma. So there's the Purusha and there's Prakriti. Hmm? And that's kind of as, as far as it goes. It doesn't acknowledge any superior Paraprakriti hmm? or Param Purusha, hmm? any Swarup Shakti or any person above, or Atma, Paramatma, let's say. Um, so, um, therefore, Prabhupada was bent on, uh, when, he, when, when the devotees wanted to publish his, some of his lectures on the um, Kapila's teaching to Devahuti, he taught his mother, it's a very, it's a very uh, prominent section of the Bhagavatam, teaching on bhakti, um, Shruta Bhakti, Ananya Bhakti, Uttam Bhakti. Um, he, he wanted the title of the book to be what? The Kapila, son of Devahuti. That Kapila, not the other Kapila. We considered in a book with painting him with a broad brush as an atheist. Uh, technically speaking, you could say he's not an atheist in that, by today's terms, in that he acknowledged it's a supernatural, that being the Purusha, being different from matter, right? Eternal in nature and so forth. Today's um, modern form of atheism is, is, is more or less a denial or dismissal of anything supernatural. Whether you, you, you turn that supernatural into a person or describe it as such, um, or... For that matter, uh, you don't speak about a God per se, but a difference between oneself and matter, kind of a kind of a uh, a defining, if you will, of the of the of the Christian term soul, which is not very well defined in the Bible. It's used in a few different ways in the Bible. I was just reading something about this briefly the other day. Three or four different. It was, it was a little article that uh, a, of Christian apologetics. It was written in, with regard to the question as to whether or not animals have souls. Hmm? And so, uh, um, 
it, it gave a rather rather warm um, explanation in comparison to which to how Christians have answered the question in the past. Descartes, for example, was a Christian French philosopher who made the famous statement that uh, I think, therefore I am, and uh, in uh, in saying so. Um, posited not something new but um, uh, the the idea that um, well among other things what he did unfortunately was distinguish humans from the whole rest of nature by saying that humans only think and feel and have intelligence and and this is what distinguishes them and and so forth um, and he unfortunately treated animals very um very poorly hmm? uh, in an in an effort just to demonstrate his his idea that they were they were just to be used and and so and it was a rather this was a rather soft answer in comparison which is evidence as to where the world has come in that regard hmm? From where Western civilization in its earlier stages of so-called enlightenment and reason and so forth, uh, where it was at in relation to the natural world, which is arguably the genesis of the present um, environmental crisis that we experience, kind of a license to rape and pillage nature for man's pleasure, who is the son of God, um, maybe give women some too, um, who... I think it was questioned for some time whether they had souls as well. Um, but God's sons, you know, would be happy if they would enjoy the bounty of the world and so forth. Well, it hasn't turned out so well. Um, and the world's about to eat us up for that itself. So, um, you know, as a, 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 it, we've come a long way from there. And meanwhile, of course, if we look to that uncivilized sector of the world, the the East. Hmm? Well, I mean, why should we look there in consideration of Western and European exceptionalism? Hmm? We we found out everything, right? We, way before them, they're backwards. Well, they had a very progressive, and insightful, enlightened notion, for example, about nature that... Um, that um, included everything that Descartes could have in, he really intended to say about the um, kind of spiritual uh, spirituality of humanity. I mean, he considered, I would, I would assume, thinking, feeling, willing to be the functions of a soul, something like that. It's a rather... Mm, still vague idea comparatively or kind of a rajasic idea according to the Gita where the Atma in this case consciousness is kind of mixed up with the body and the mind a little bit mostly with the mind emotions thought intelligence and so forth the sattvic idea according to the Gita is to entirely distinguish the Atma from both thought and things especially th thoughts about things hmm? whereas thought could be used by the Atma for its own 
purposes to think about itself, to go to, to stop thinking about things, if you will, and let that which really uh, uh, has meaning and value rise and uh, to take uh, a precedence as it as it should over things itself, hmm? right? So anyway, as you, as you know, in, 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 in the East, then um, it, it, they had a panpsychic perspective, so to use a modern term. So they, uh, the, there's the original form of it is Vedanta, that there is an Atma in everywhere, all-pervasive, in all forms of life. Life is the Atma, hmm? right? And the biological um, self is um, cannot uh, cannot arise without the atma's uh, kind of interplay, if you will, with 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 uh, with the natural world, with with, with matter. Um, so that that idea hmm, that it, of course is 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 one today that's given more credibility. Indeed, we, we, they find through scientific experiments that, uh, that animals have will, have uh, and, uh, feelings, intelligence, and all kinds of things that, are, that, that make them less different than humans, who Descartes really made completely different, for example. Um, but um, anyway, there's a, there's a more uh, a softer perspective on on nature and animals and uh, and uh, and uh, there's evidence of where the west may have taken a wrong turn and how it may as i say uh, consume us if we uh, proceed in that direction so at any rate uh, make a long come back to the point the article was really had a soft perspective on do animals have souls while at the same time falling short of actually giving them a soul, but speaking about them by using by invoking different ways in which among the three or four or half a dozen times the word soul i guess in in the hebrew is 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 invoked in the in the Bible, and so there are different ways I think that Jesus spoke it and used it, and so some of the ways in which he used it were yes, and if you want to use it like that then the animal has a soul. Hmm? Um, it can think, it has some feeling, and so forth, and uh, and so on, and, uh, and we can love our animals, and uh, our pets, and so on. And, but the soul doesn't, the, the, the animal, was, of course, the conclusion of the, doesn't have a soul in the full sense of the term, that I, it's really barely even used in the Bible. The Bible, the Christian world, turns largely to Plato for the idea of the soul or to Aristotle. And Plato has a subject notion of the soul comparatively and Aristotle a very erogistic conception of the soul. But anyway, these are the two, as far as I understand, mainstreams of thought in Christianity about what we call the Atma that animals have, right? Animals have Atmas. So how do we get there? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so for us, then, um, and for the Sankhya philosophy also, 
as I often say, it's not a question of whether you believe in a soul or not any more than it's a question of whether you believe in consciousness or not. Of course you believe in consciousness. It's not a question you can even... stupid to ask. Without consciousness, you couldn't ask the question, right? So consciousness is what we mean by the Atma, and then we seek to you know, define it more um, in, a, in, a, in a specific way, according to Vedanta. And we see it as, a, as an under, you know, you, you could say, well, it's part of nature. That would be, you know, an extended idea in modern discourse, um, where in some schools now they do accept the panpsychic perspective without saying that it's supernatural. It's just nature has this also. So fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're really expanding the idea of matter as you go forward in order to accommodate uh, consciousness. But my point was that consciousness, to say that it, that, that it is something that, that, in, that endures hmm, um, would really make it something, uh, especially as an individual unit, something that, um, that transcends um, time and space. It doesn't matter what the time is. It doesn't matter what the space is. I guess you could think that the whole cosmos could wrap up and the consciousness would be gone too, or something like that. As long as it's the time-space continuum is in place, then there's consciousness there, and it could wrap up. I suppose they could argue like that. Probably some do. But the idea, for example, in... Kapila's Sankhya philosophy, that there's a Purusha that's independent of the Prakriti and its eternal eternal witness is a supernatural doctrine by today's standards and um, uh, uh, to uh, an, an atheist as the term is largely used today does not uh, acknowledge anything supernatural. So you don't have to have a personality of Godhead playing the flute and dancing or anything like that um, um, to be... Uh, you could take it all the way down to just uh, the Atma the, the, is, is different than matter and, uh, and this is not something that's uh, embraced. So, um, it's not atheistic, the doctrine, the point is, of Kapila in that sense. Hmm. Prabhupada used to say he was atheistic and that, he, that the, the Sankhya philosophy doesn't acknowledge um, beyond the Purusha a Param Purusha. Hmm? So, anyway, uh, it's a philosophy that is then kind of combined with yoga. Hmm? The yoga philosophy of Patanjali, um, it's so much about the way, so much of a methodology. Hmm? More than it is a uh, uh, description or investigation into the nature of being, it's a more about realizing the atma hmm? as distinct from from matter and it, it's it's practices. Well, yoga is a practice, right? There's no such practice in the Sankhya philosophy hmm? because yoga is the yoga philosophy is so much of practice. It's so adaptable. Hmm? Therefore. Yoga is, in a generic sense, is 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 a, is a practice that is that jnanis employ, that bhaktas employ, that there's karma yoga, jnana yoga. This these, this day and age, there's there's hiking yoga at at, at Madhavan, right? 
um, and so forth. I mean, it can get goes a little too far sometimes, where it does become um, kind of uh, something to object to, um, and maybe cries of cultural appropriation would be appropriate um, when yoga is is used as a means for just increasing one's uh, sense pleasure, let's say, when when it's a, it's a teaching that's that's generic in a, in, a, in a sense or adaptable, malleable hmm, to different traditions, all of which are about well involve controlling the senses, controlling the mind to realize the self or the, or Brahman, or, as may be the case in the different disciplines. Getting beyond that and making it a commercial enterprise only, um, yes. Uh, that's uh, uh, there's uh, valid objections could be raised, um, but um, but um, yoga. So yoga and uh, and the six philosophies and um, uh, and. Um, and in the Gita, what I was saying is it's very it's interesting to note that Krishna gives a, his dissertation on Sankhya, the nature of the Purusha, you could say, and its difference from matter in kind of a very concise overview and powerful, compelling also, to Arjuna. And what does he do right after that? He begins his discourse on yoga. So the yoga and Sankhya are combined. Hmm. It's called Sankhya Yoga, but all the chapters are called the Yoga. But Sankhya comes, nature of the self, and what to do about it. It's just like in the Sankhya philosophy, well, there's a Purusha, what do you do about it? Hmm. And Yoga is the way to realize. So they are, these are juxtapositioned next to one another in, in, in the Gita. And so Arjuna is a disciple of Krishna. Uh, he's got some theoretical knowledge about the self, he's learning about the method for realizing it and more to realize Krishna himself. This is coming more and more into the picture now, especially here in this this section. So, um, you know, you have to look at Arjuna. One of the ways in which this question of Arjuna is, is, is looked at in this chapter is, well, he's asking the question on behalf of other people. That, that Does this mean, how is, this, how is it that you're omniscient and how is it that you're eternal? If you were, you know, you were born recently, you're not eternal. And if you're a human being, as you appear, um, you're you wouldn't be omniscient. Hmm? Humans are not omniscient. It's 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 interesting to note, worth noting, that the Vishaya Lambana of Arjun, the object of his Sakya Bhav, hmm? which is Krishna, um, that Krishna appears to him sometimes with two two hands and sometimes with four hands. Hmm? And you might think, well, how come the four hands, when Krishna would manifest four arms, it did not set Arjuna back? Hmm? It's a form of Aishvarya, right? Like his Virata Rupa did. Hmm? Well, one of the reasons is because he, he was doing it all the time. It's just like a feature of him. Maybe... <laughs> and it, it, it didn't affect their the Pandavas 
Sakyabhav, sometimes he would show forearms, sometimes not. That was a, he's a special guy. But um, I guess I say, one of the ways to think about this verse is he knows, because Arjuna is, is Nityasiddha and Bhaktosime is Akachita, you know, he's his friend, he's his devotee, he must know all these things. Um, but another way to look at it, of course, is that he doesn't know, and, and he doesn't know by Krishna's own arrangement. Hmm? And he's being enlightened. If there's a Leela, like Gaur Leela, in which Siddhas play the role of Sadakas, then they actually think that they are becoming enlightened and it's happening to them and for the first time and, and so on and so forth. Hmm? They don't think, actually, I'm Rupa Manjari, but I'm just saying this and playing this role. They're actually in the role, right? They, they, they're realizing that, and that's another feature of it, that they get glimpses. I'm from Krishna Leela, and this is Krishna. And I'm, as, associate, as I've said before, if Krishna's, if Gore is Krishna, who are his associates? It's us. And you can just imagine how staggering that uh, insight is. And then and the, and it gets covered over by the nature of the Leela itself. And they go on as the sadhikas doing kirtan, worshipping Krishna with Jaitanya Mahaprabhu. Back and forth, back and forth. Very exciting. So uh, I think it's in some ways it's preferable to look at Arjuna like this. He's, 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 he expressed uh, ordinary ignorance in the beginning of the book. In the first chapter, he rationalized his attachments hmm, by invoking arguments from the Dharma Shastras um, and so forth. Arjuna had to, Krishna had to speak to him in, in strong terms, like a sadhu, and and uh, really poke his ego, call him a fool, and speaking learned words, but you're actually uh, you're actually don't know anything, you don't know yourself. What do you know? Hmm? And so forth. So, understandably, then the question arises because it sounds like from what you're saying, if you, if you're if I'm paying attention that you're omniscient and you're eternal. Now, how do I digest that? I, you know, you can say something. This is an old yoga. It's been around for a long time. I taught it to the sun god. Hmm? And that was a long time ago. And we can't measure the time even. And, um, and um, so you're eternal and, um, and, and you're omniscient is the implication. Hmm? And so, this is a setup, right? The question is really, and there's not much to say about this verse other than this, so I'll probably end shortly and we'll just segue into any questions. But uh, he's setting uh, Krishna up now for talking about his omniscience, his omnipotence, his omnipresence, his uh, uh, features, uh, uh, certain particular features about the the Godhead that distinguishes him as a soul from all of the souls. There's one and there's many, and the one maintains the many. So there's a difference between them, right? This is Sambandagyan. The, the t- title of the chapter is Gyan Yoga. It's about Gyan Yoga and you know the the the, the, the the, the, the study of the Veda and, and, and so forth, uh, knowledge, 
Um, but it's interesting that in the beginning, the sambandhagyan, knowledge of bhakti, is also given, which really makes it a chapter about about knowledge worth worth knowing. Hmm? Again, as I said the other day, knowing the Atma is, is worth knowing, but it's a small thing in comparison to knowing the Paramatma hmm? and the possibility then of a relationship with him and so forth. So Arjuna uh, sets the stage with this question now for Krishna to go on in several verses and to explain this important aspect, uh, feature uh, this of Sambandagyan, essential uh, for uh, beginning on the path of Rasyam Uttamam, the great secret of bhakti. So, any questions? I was just, I, I guess I was looking for more clarification as well about, um, uh, is it Krodha faith? Kamala Shraddha. Komal, Komal. Komal Shraddha. Because on one hand, I was just thinking like from uh, my experience, for example, um, like going through, for example, you know, guru problems, those kind of things, um, I still felt uh, a steadiness in my faith towards bhakti, the path of bhakti, and, and that kind of thing, in Krishna. But if I look at it through the lens of Sharanagati, you see like Sharanagati being the, um, uh, I guess, show of the internal faith, then I can see that actually I'm on the lower end of faith, you know, the more common. So I'm wondering how, how to kind of well, you know, as I was saying the other day, if I understand your question correctly, there's we may want to look at these things more black and white than they are. There are all kinds of shades of gray, shades of kanishta or faith or realization, shades of weak faith. Um, the really determining factor between tender faith that can be... Um, displaced at least temporarily and overwhelmed by doubts that, that, that lead in suspension of practice right um, what differentiates that faith from faith that that won't happen to which is firm nista, nishta, nishchaya the second level of faith described in Bhaktivedanta Sindhu is as the texts of the of Rupa's book explain, is knowledge of the scripture, hmm. Hmm. the argument, the, re- re- the reasoning, to as to your faith, hmm. well re- well reasoned faith. So the extent that we are we are acquainted with the with the um, the um, the logic of the faith, hmm. and that and we're grounded in that then it's going to be strong to that extent rather than uh, weak. It's going to be uh, strong rather than, than tender and less susceptible to being um, overwhelmed uh, by doubt. Hmm? So in a very low end of Komal Shraddha, someone has faith, but uh, they don't even have faith in the Vaishnav, although they have faith in Krishna. Is described in the Bhagavatam. The Kanishtadikar is described as 
as, um, as someone who has faith in Krishna, but not the Vaishnav. Hmm? And um, so, um, that's, uh, you're not going to listen to the Vaishnavas then, and then you're not going to get the, the teaching, the, the scriptural argument, the, the Shastra Yukti, the reasoning to support the faith, and, you know, we're all functioning on the basis of some reasoning. We reason things out, we have some experience, we reason about it. And so other reasoning will, you know, take take, take precedence. So you you need to become like a rational, spiritualize your rational uh, faculty. Hmm? Um, that's an interesting, you know, doing that is an interesting exercise. Of course, it can be done in different stages. And in one sense, my Marge did not rationalize, I don't mean that in a pejorative sense, but he didn't rationalize bhakti. He didn't give, he didn't, in a very deep way, in terms of arguments of the day, reason about bhakti. As much as he understood the arguments from the West that he heard from his disciples or somebody called up a news article or, or something like that, um, you know, then he would respond. I mean, he, 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 he understood scientific materialism to be, you know, taking the world in, in, in the wrong direction and so forth. And he gave his forceful, emotional arguments that were good enough for us. Hmm? at the time, right? But um, might not have been good enough for an educated scientist, although he had a couple scientists who were educated, but they were just under his powerful influence, so to speak. Um, so that's I'm drifting a little bit in, in terms of the, the answer to your question, but um, and different people have different capacities for, for, for reasoning or appetites for, for reasoning and needs. Uh, intellectual needs to have them satisfied and so forth that then they may proceed but by and large over overall um, yes the more what differentiates the komal the tender shraddha from firm faith is acquaintance with uh, the, the reasoning of the scripture hmm? and um, so you know your faith becomes wise becomes well reasoned so that can happen you can you can have a teacher who, through whom, enough of the teaching comes, and you know, let's say, without even consideration of previous lives, acquaintance, and so forth. Um, so there's a whole you know spectrum of different people and, and different stages and so forth. But that that aside, uh, a, a teacher or figure who gives the basic knowledge, um, you know, you could you could learn it from a drunk person in the bar, you know starts talking to you about Krishna because that's what he's really all about, but he's in the bar <laughs> where he shouldn't be. But when he gets drunk, that's what he talks about to the guy next door, next in the next stool and enlightens him and so forth. And that guy gets all, you know, fired up, and gives up drinking and comes back and tells the other guy, you should give that up too, you know, you said that. Anyway, whatever. That happens, that kind of a thing. So people get some basic... Scriptural logic, so to speak, and um, and uh, installment of that, and and they and uh, or the, the the charisma or the, even the spirituality 
in a better sense of the person, and they, and they get some faith. Um, but um, um, and it's possible that, uh, as it's mentioned, in uh, in another sense, in Chaitanya Charitamrita, Vyasa Vyas may know, he may not know. Sukadev knows. How does Sukadev know? He heard from Vyas, and Vyas may not know. Now the um, implication is, well, this, the current may come through them hmm, to you, hmm? and um, and you may know more than them. That's possible. You may you may embrace it uh, more than them. So who's the guru? Who's the disciple? You know, you think the guru is great. I think the disciple is great. Who's right? Must be me because I'm the guru. <laughs> And you're wrong, which means that you're right. That means you're more important. Who's more important, the guru or the disciple? I say the disciple's more important. <laughs> so, um, um, then, yes, there may be some uh, a figure who has who you have revered and through whom you've learned so much may prove himself to be um, a, a fountain that, uh, that, uh, that that a spring that dries up and doesn't no longer have any 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 water to offer now or or their their um example may not be one that following and associating with will inspire me to proceed with the practices that uh, correspond with the the understanding that I've arrived at the faith that I have um and so then obviously I'd have to pull back from that and and uh, and um, and um, the principle of sadhusanga still remains very vital and essential. So I seek that out. And um, you know, as the wise sadhaka is going to do that on different levels, even without anything being wrong with the with the teacher necessarily. Teacher, we talked about an instance. I mean, I'm implying something wrong with the teacher. Let's say character uh, issues or something. Let's say um, so. You you shift for reasons that uh, nothing wrong with the teacher. One may one may have uh, reached a point of understanding what on the level of the teacher's teaching. Not that he that he may or she may be able to teach on a higher level, but taught at a certain level at a certain time. Hmm? that was pertinent and valuable for my progress, and now I may go, we, we find, you know, Mahaprabhu took initiation from Ishvara Puri. Why did he take sannyas from Ishvara Puri? Who knows? But he didn't, he didn't ask, he didn't send him an email and ask his permission. He went, Keshav Bharati. Ishvara Puri was a sannyasi also. Because he's, we can say he's giving mercy to Keshav Bharati, that, but, but from there, he 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 had his, he had Sarvabhoma as a kind of a Siksha guru, and from there he had Ramananda Roy, mm-hmm. right? Um, what he learned from Ramananda Roy was different from what he learned from Ishvara Puri, but not different, different but not different. The same teaching, looked at now on another, from another angle, and so forth and so on. So. So there may be so many reasons. We we find in uh, Jaiva Dharma disciples of uh, uh, were initiated in I think in Navadvip and then they went to Puri and then they they were taught other things 
later by another by a Sikshu Guru. So um, the sadhaka, the practitioner, the, the disciple, the student, as I often say, has to be wise, skillful in sadhana, and know what it's for, and apply themselves um, thoughtfully, which may be to include something like like that at a certain point. That's mm-hmm. certainly to have a Siksha Guru. The, 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 the need may arise. Or, or. So, but again, back to your situation. The, the teaching figure may, may, you know, cease to become a, a vital um, example and progressive teacher. And if you've learned something, and so therefore your faith is strengthened by the scriptural argument and reason and so forth, then you, you may not be um, overwhelmed by those circumstances with, with, with doubts and um, unable to proceed. So I, I don't know if I answer your question, but... Yeah. And if I was like analyze myself through all of those, then it's not so as steady. You know. Well, like I say, I mean, you know, uh, you, you, you. If you want to look at Rupa Goswami's three stages of of Adhikar uh, for eligibility for Vaidhi Bhakti. As he speaks about in the second chapter of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, then if you want to look at those as you should, as the being determined by the extent to which one understands the scriptural argument and and has thereby shastriya shraddha and um, is more or less thereby qualified. To embrace the practices, um, if you want to look at those three things as speaking at, of a kanishta, you could madhyam or uttamadikari. Hmm? He does use the terms uttamadi, higher qualification, higher eligibility, intermediate level of eligibility, um, and uh, um, neophyte eligibility. Well, you know, there's a beginning to that and there's an end to that. So where where do you start to become a Sharanagata in a real sense of the term in, you know, to, to, in, a, in, a, in a, as, a, as an intermediate devotee? Hmm. You're smart enough, intelligent enough spiritually to accept things that are favorable, reject things that are unfavorable, and so on and so forth, which is... An anga, an anga of sharanagati, you may have trouble with that in in the beginning stage. So you still may be in the beginning stage, but it's it's you know it's got some 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 room there. Hmm? There's the kanishta kanishta, and there's the uttam kanishta. So maybe you're an uttam kanishta or madhyam kanishta rather than kanishta kanishta, and um, and. Okay, you know, let's let's look now at Sharanagati 
in a broader way because, okay, we have six limbs of Sharanagati, and Sharanagati itself is a limb of, of, of bhakti, hmm? given by Rupa Goswami. But, I mean, the six aspects of Sharanagati are a way of talking about it that aren't necessarily comprehensive. In the Gita, for example, the word Sharanagati is you, Sharanagata, Sharanam. In the conclusion of the Gita, Krishna says what? Um, what is the verse? Sarva dharman puritya mame kam sharanam. Mame kam sharanam, Raja. So what, how does he define Sharanagati there? He defines it differently, differently than it has six angas, uh, and so on and so forth. He doesn't say it is the practical, observable evidence of faith being there. Hmm? But, but, but he, but he, but he's implicitly saying that. What is he saying? He says, "Sarva Dharman What does that mean? Sarva Dharman means that Arjun, we began this whole conversation hmm, with 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 this this whole encounter here on the battlefield with the in consideration of the fact that there is a battle and you have to participate in it it looks like diplomacy is not going to work and and i have drawn the chariot up here i parked it here we've been parked here for a while now as you asked me and i showed you what you know you had to deal with I parked it in front of Bhishma and Drona. That's what you got to deal with. And, you know, as I've explained, those are your attachments that you have to deal with. And this is this is an inner battle that's going on here. In the, in the context of the external battle, there's an inner battle, a, a killing of your attachments and a death to the ego and so forth. Um, but um, you argued in the beginning on the basis of uh, Dharma, Hmm? I've been telling you throughout this whole thing, forget about the Varnashram. Forget about the Varnashram. Hmm? You're an Atma. Hmm? Do yoga, be a yogi. Is a yogi in the Varnashram? Hmm? Who's sitting in the forest on a, on a tiger skin, you know? His eyes go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is he in the Varnashram? Or, or contemplative. He's, he's speaking now about first yoga of action, and, which is pretty detached and uh, not worldly. Hmm? And now, you know, moving away from the world. World means varnashram. Hmm? Varnanashram, that's the world. Um, sannyas means leaving the varnashram. They say that sannyas is one of the ashrams of the varnashram system, but it's like checking out. Hmm? I'm, I'm in, I'm a, I'm at the, at the, um, I got the key here, I'm checking out, you know, see you later. That's the sannyasa ashram. It's not in the world. Yeah, it has its functions in relation to the world that people of the world may understand it properly and learn something from it as an example. And, uh, and that it, that it, you know, that, it, that its observance may be uh, facilitated and so forth. But it's, it's, it's really, um, not part of the Varnashram. That's why Krishna says, Sarva Dharman Puritya Give up Varnashram and give up Gyan. He doesn't say, give up Varnashram and take sannyas. He says, give up Varnashram and give up sannyas. Hmm. 
Sannyasa is, is, is an anga of of gyan, right? Hmm? So Sarvadharma Pritya, so he says, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, you know, in certain terms, this is what I'm teaching here. Give up Varnashram. Hmm? What does Varnashram, in this sense, mean when he says, Sarvadharman Pritya Give up Varnashram, give up the, the pursuit of material acquisition, and give up the, the antithesis of that, just renunciation hmm? for its own sake. And do what? Mam ekam sharanam, Praja. Right? Mam ekam. What is the implication? Mam ekam. What does it mean? Mam ekam. Do you know? Ek. Mam. Me. One. Only. Take shelter of me only. Why does he say me only? Why does he say ma may come? But I'm teaching you, what is sharanagati? What does he mean by sharanam? Ma may come. He doesn't say, to sharanagati, which is anukulyasasam kalkipa partikulasavarjanam rakshikshatati vishvashve goprutve banam tata atmanikshepikarpanem sadvidha sharanagati. He gives another definition of sharanagati. It's included within Sharanagati. It's ma may come. Why does he say one, me? Because Varnashram is, how, how many numbers are there in Varnashram? Ten, twenty, thirty, three hundred, three hundred thousand, thirty-three million, thirty-three million, thirty-three million gods, they say, in Hinduism. Sometimes you hear these Hindus that converted to Christianity. They go, yes, we gave up thirty-three million gods. Crazy idea. How crazy can that be? 30, how can there be 33 million gods? Well, sit down. We'll talk to you about it. <laughs> Matter of fact, I gave up Christianity for 33 million gods. And 33 million and one gods. <laughs> and I gave up the 33 million ostensibly for the one. So Varnashram is full of gods and goddesses. There's a god for your eyeballs and your eyelids and your eyebrows. <laughs> Your ears and your tongue and everything, how you use all these instruments and so forth and and uh, all the functions of the body, the, the psychology and so forth, and so um, it's a, it's a very like worshipful worldview. They're bound you're bound down everywhere, everything and that that's very nice. Showing gratitude and saying please, thank you, and okay, now enjoy. You know, I want that. Say please. Say please. Please. Okay, now say thank you. Thank you. Now you can eat. Okay, that's Varnashram. Mm-hmm. So we learn to say please, thank you. We learn to have gratitude. This is Varnashram. And there's a God that we should say please to and say thank you to at every turn, everywhere, mm-hmm. to be acknowledged. Mm-hmm. That my senses are not independent. The world is just not there for me to take as I like for my purposes, in doing that is creating an identity that's problematic, that is, that is criminal. Hmm? He's criminal, and in the long hand, a long law will arrest him, and he may go down. Hmm? There's other species of life, there, with the implication of which is there's consequences for our actions. Hmm? We have awareness, and with awareness comes consequences. So if there's awareness, chitta, this means in subtle matter, 
then in gross matter there must be something that corresponds with awareness. That's called consequence. Hmm? That's karma. Hmm? Karma has its roots in chitta. Hmm? You understand? Subtle matter, gross matter comes out of subtle matter. Hmm? So as we function in the world, hmm, there are repercussions. So, um, so, so Krishna says, give up the 33 million. This is how big I am and just worship me. They're all just partial expressions of myself. And the worship of me is complete. So, mame kam sharanam. This is sharanagati, according to the Gita. So, are you a sharanagata? And is your sharanagati an outer manifestation of your faith? Yes, Arjuna had faith in Varnashram. Hmm? And he probably had faith in sannyas, because Varnashram, it's easy to have faith in, in, in that culture, to be a good person, to be a righteous, moral person. I mean, who's going to argue with that? That's, that that's bad. That's good. That should be done. Okay, I believe. And here's a, a whole systematic path for becoming righteous and, 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 and doing the right thing, even if it means I have to die in the course of doing it. I'll die for dharma because the life world, the world has a purpose. And so, it, so this, this particular life is ephemeral, ephemeral. If I lose it in the context of being dharmic, I win. Hmm? There's a bigger, bigger picture. That's how to be happy. <laughs> Don't try to be happy without the bigger picture. That's, that's a total recipe for, for frustration and anxiety. And that's the modern idea. Give you more options, to, things to choose from, another way to mix it up and explore it and so forth. What? You're living your whole life for another life? Oh, you poor thing. You poor thing, what you're missing out on. Hmm? No, it's not the one who understands uh, the Varnashram is thinking like Arjun, like Ram, to do the right thing hmm, is more important than living. Hmm? That's what it means to live. So, and so, so and that will that that will be my fortune. That'll be my wealth. Hmm? Dharma is the real wealth, right? So, um, so you know, Arjun was a Varnashrami. He, you know, he obviously he was well acquainted with the Dharma. He gave good arguments in the beginning of the book, and uh, and then so and then sannyas or gyan, it's easy to have faith in too. When you got examples of people, yogis, and have stepped away from the world, rishis, and and uh, they're 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 the kind of evidence of the supernatural because they've conquered the natural forces as they appear microcosmically in my biophysiological sense of self here. My greed, my avarice, my lust, hunger, thirst. I mean, if you conquered over these things, you, you must be supernatural. Hmm? You, you, what they say they're experiencing, you, you have to kind of give a little credibility to because of how it plays out practically, observably. Although you can't observe what they're experiencing, you may, may doubt it. What you can observe is how their experience plays out physically and visibly. Hmm? And I'm arguing that it plays out in a, that in a way that demonstrates that something supernatural, conquering over the natural forces, harnessing them, hmm? so forth. So, so anyway, for Arjuna to have faith in these things, that's Varnashram or, or Sanyas. Hmm? 
The Christian says, give them both up and have faith in me alone. That's what he's saying. Take shelter of me alone, Sharanagati. So he's trying to create faith in Arjuna once and for all. Just have faith in me. Whatever I say, do that. Hmm? And anything you could have done in Dharma to improve your situation, anything you could have done by sannyas, yoga, anything is all going to be included within that and much more. You're going to get me and who I am. I've talked a little bit about it. And if you stick with me into the Bhagavatam here next, <laughs> I'm going to say a lot more. There's a lot more going to be said, right? Hmm? They're going to enter a whole world of devotees speaking about me and so forth and me interacting with them. So what I'm saying to you is in the Gita, Sharanagati is defined as giving up Varnashram. Now, are you prepared to do that? <laughs> You're not even in it, so it's not hard to give it up. Right? And, uh, and, and, and can you give up sannyas? I can't, but you could. <laughs> I'm stuck. Uh, that's why it's it's really just a ruse in Gaudiya Vaishnava. It's just for a, a ploy, just a purpose. Just a, we're all family people here. It's just for, for teaching. Right? So, this is another definition of Sharanagati, right? A broader definition. It means the the, the practical steps that you take, hmm, because you you no longer have faith in the thirty three million demigods and or that that way, because you you you're not interested in just being a small g good person. You want higher absolute good, hmm? um, and you don't want to just deny the world. You want to live in the world hmm? um, in consideration to whom everything belongs. Right? That's seva. So he says, Sharanam, Mame Kam Sharanam. Me alone take shelter, do Sharanagati to me, means start their bhakti now. Hmm? For Arjuna, it meant he was a Varnashram. Give up the Varnashram, come to the bhakti marg. Give up the Varnashram, and don't go from there to the, to the Gyan marg, which is what most people do. They just move from Rajas to Sattva, hmm? probably back again, and so forth. Come to bhakti. This is Nirguna. This is wholesome. It gives the energy and, and, and to, to karma and, and jnana's paths. It makes them efficacious to the extent that, the, that uh, they could not be otherwise. Hmm? So me alone. So you're a Sharanagata in that sense, right? Hmm? So there's a broader explanation of the term. So don't limit it just to, it's just like this, and uh, I have not given up everything that's uh, unfavorable to bhakti. In fact, I just did something unfavorable to bhakti the other minute there. And um, <laughs> now that I've accepted everything favorable to bhakti, in fact, I just avoided something that was favorable to bhakti, if I think about it, uh, just uh, an hour ago. So I, ha I guess I don't have faith. Or how can that be evidence? That, that must be evidence that I don't... So you don't have to get caught up in that argument by way which will arise from a narrow definition of Sharanagati. A broader definition includes you in it. And... Um, and, and gives you some, you know, room to grow and, and some some measuring kind of um, practical, pragmatic scale to look at, you know, uh, 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 humility. This is part of Sharanagati, cultivating that, um, thinking, accepting Krishna alone as my protector, Krishna is my maintainer. Uh, you can chant verses about that, accept things that are favorable, reject the things unfavorable. You work on it. You grow the Sharanagati. That's what it means to move from Komal Shraddha 
to Shraddha that's fixed nishta from from a, a, a practice to talk about it another way that's that's um, not steady anishta to practice that is steady from a kanishta to a, to a, to to a, to a madhyama and then as you to the extent that you start to enter into the madhyama intermediate perspective then you will be able to start seeing you're more of a sharanagata hmm? in the in the other sense of the term of these six angas of sharanagati hmm? It's unavoidable. You can't go forward without becoming a Sharanagati. You, you realize, huh, I can't escape. <laughs> Sharanagati means surrender. So, you know, you, at all costs, you avoid it, surrender. But at a certain point, you just got to raise the white flag. And, you know, there it is. It's, uh, 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 on one level, and then you realize, I'm going to another level, another level. So, okay. What else? Yes. Speak up. Okay. Um, just explaining now about how people push us into Arjuna, so it's me alone. And the other day you were explaining that Arjuna and the Kandavas, they, they knew that Krishna was God, the Supreme Lord. Um, but my question is, is I read something in um, an edition of the Mahabharata um, that during the battle, a bit later in the battle, under about the 14th to 15th day, when... Um, Bhim's son, Gatotka, is killed um, by Karna, and Karna uses this weapon, the Shakti dart that belongs to Indra, to kill Gatotka, and he just he only use that weapon once, and then it goes back to Indra. And after Gatotka is killed, then um, everybody's really sad, but Krishna is really happy, and Arjuna asks Krishna, like, why are you so happy? And Krishna says, about Arjun, you, didn't, you don't know how much anxiety I've been in the whole time, knowing that Karna had that Shakti dart because Karna was planning to use it for Arjun. Um, and, and now it's been used. And yeah, so Krishna's really happy and he's relieved. But, and he says that even I wouldn't have been able to defeat that weapon. So, why, like, why did well, the answer to that is that um, this is a leela in which, although Krishna's God, he is playing as a human being. Uh, this this kind of um, question comes up sometimes with regard to Ramayan and uh, Ram's worship of Shiva. So some people say, well, Ram's worshiping Shiva, so obviously Shiva is superior to, to Ram. But it's the nature of the human-like Leela that causes him to be engaged in the worship of 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 uh, of Shiva, and if we go to the Bhagavatam, we find out well, it's not the case that Shiva is a, is a is a superior manifestation of divinity than than Ramchandra. Hmm? So Krishna's leela similarly is, is a human like leela, and so there will be times in which it's exp- that humanness is is expressed. Hmm? Obviously, he could do anything, right? It's, but and, and you know that Arjun and the Pandavas knew that he was God. They kind of knew that you know sometimes they would, like Arjun saw that right. Arjun saw that Krishna was God by when he showed the Virata Rupa in the eleventh chapter of the Gita, and then at his request, at Arjun's request, Krishna contracted it into a forearm form, which was pretty cool. Okay, and then the two arm form, which was that's okay. Arjun really liked that. That's was even closer to him. And so then he just carried on, right? Hmm? 
uh, you know, with knowledge that he's God, but now in the, when his when you say his his bhakti his 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 sakirasa is influenced by gyan, means by the knowledge that Krishna is God. It's not that that knowledge is always present, but 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 when it shows itself, then that sakya bhakti can can recede comparatively. Hmm? And then when it disappears, then sakya bhakti comes back on and. And it's an interesting phenomenon, but you understand? Yeah. What else? What's the time? Five to six. Five to six. So briefly, that Maharaj uh, Purimarsh had asked about the green color. Bhakti Bhakti Vedanta Puri Maharaj Puri Goswami from Brazil Kijai. So he asked a question that he had read in a in a in a biographical um, uh, in a bi- in a biography of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur that the Thakur liked the color green, painted his room green or something like that. Wrote in green, green ink, and so forth. So, what's the significance of that? Is the question, right? Yeah, maybe that had some implication with the value that was present connected to the green color. Yeah. Well, um, um, of course, in uh, in aesthetics or in any uh, probably uh, form of aesthetics, then colors, emotions have colors, right? They're hot colors and they're cold colors. And, and so forth. So, the different uh, rasas are associated with different uh, colors. Um, but it depends uh, which rasa rishi you're talking to. So, if you in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Rupa Goswami cites colors and uh, gods that correspond with uh, and preside over respectively the different rasas um, but I would have to say that that's a, a choosing on his part of 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 some uh, opinion amongst aestheticians and maybe even uh, adding to it himself and Coming up with his own sensibility about it, because if you could you study the different aestheticians, you know in their writings, they they have attributed different colors. Uh, like for example, um, well in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, the color of romantic love is sham, which we go that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Color of Krishna's complexion, right? Color of Sakiras is like like something like this, like like rust color, something like reddish brown, like the. Like a like a very like a, like a rising sun or something like that, um, and so on. So, uh, but if you go to Bar to Muni, hmm, um, I and, and before I go there, I, I I looked up that book because I have a a uh, electronic copy of the, the 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 biography. And now this biography is a biography of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsitaka written by a godbrother of mine, 
who in his own mind identifies with Bhakti Siddhanta a lot, so he's really into it and and, and kind of the 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 the, the austere, strict, you know, picture of Bhakti Siddhanta that we get sometimes. His way of observing the uh, Chaturmasya and the austerities and so forth. Not the side that Pramod Purimaraj will would, would share with us. It's just really such a warm heart and so on. So anyway, so much for that book. But, you know, he, 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 he interviewed as many people as he could associated with or disciples of Bhakti Siddhanta to get information hmm? in order to write the book. He never interviewed Sridhar Marsh. I don't know if Sridhar Marsh was still um, present amongst us at the time. But he did that, probably not. Oh, I don't know everybody that he interviewed, but at any rate, he interviewed people, and so he got his information in that way, second or third hand. So in the book it says that Bhakti Siddhanta I think had his room painted green, and he wrote some letters with green ink, something like that. And the reason was because the green is the color of Varaha Bhav, or love and separation. Hmm. Now, um, I don't know where that idea comes from, that green is the color of Varaha Bhav. I... I, I, I I I have not found any evidence to that effect. Um, it's being said in that book. That, that's what the book says. Mm-hmm. Um, and to portray Bhakti Siddhanta as being so attracted to love and separation, it's just a little questionable in my mind even though separation is the way to union I mean that's the whole point right it's the way to union so union is being longed for in separation separation isn't typically longed for it's a position in which union becomes more the desire for it more intense I guess you could say I long for to be in love and separation, so that I could long that much more for union. But uh, uh, you know, so uh, a devotee longs to be associated with Krishna, to attain Krishna. He doesn't typically long for um, separation. Hmm? It happens, and it, it it makes the heart grow fonder, and so forth. Uh, so I have my doubts of whether that was the way in which Bhakti Thakur looked at that. But um, in Bharat Muni, who's kind of the original author of the Ras Shastra, he has uh, identified green with uh, Sringaras, or what do we call it, Madhurya Rasa, rather than Sham color. So it, it may be that Bhakti Siddhanta looked at the green color as as a uh, as representing Madhurya Rasa. That makes sense, which is his ideal. Why he would have not um, looked at it uh, as Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu does Sham color. Who knows? And it's hard to paint your room Sham color. So. 
you know, I'll give you another reason why green can be seen as Madhurya Rasa. Can you guess? Huh? That's right. Green is blue and yellow combined. What is blue and yellow? Radha and Krishna. When you combine Radha and Krishna, that's why the cows of Braj, they see green grass everywhere and they like it. Wherever there's green grass, they go. <laughs> right? Because they're seeing the combination of Radha and Krishna, which is the ideal of Gaudi Vaishnavism, of, of Braj, to bring Radha and Krishna together. So when you combine the two, you get yellow. Hmm? So I think maybe he thought about it in that way. It's just a conjecture. We we don't we, we won't have any any other explanation other than than that without talking to him, and that's not possible at the moment directly. Yes. I think that you might be uh, confusing that with a story that's told by the disciples of Bhakti Pragyan Keshav Maharaj. Bhakti Pragyan Keshav Maharaj, and I kind of forget the details, but as much as I can remember them, I'll try to relate them. Um, he, he liked to paint the altar steps green, I think. Isn't it? Right? And without any explanation. And they, the disciples, on their own, and the other thing that he did is where, wherever he opened a temple, he named the deities Radha Vinod Bihari, Radha Vinod something else, Radha Vinod something else, right? So it was always invoking the name Vinod. So then I think they, they somehow they came to the conclusion that Vinod Manjari was the, the, the spiritual identity of their guru and their complexion was green or something like that. Hmm? And that's the evidence on which they make their claim. How's that? Convincing? It was for them. So what to speak of a book like, Oh My Friend, with all the evidence <laughs> you find there <laughs> coming from Prabhupada himself, that should be accepted. Share that with the Keshavji Gaudiya Math group. Kijai. All right, Shishidaji Gopal ki jai, Gaur Bhakti Vrinda ki jai, Gaur Premanandi.